the Matrix, Keanu Reeves, is a, uh, his character's name is Neo, and uh, he's living in this kind of, uh, I guess, uh, sleep world where the entire population has been put into basically comas, and they have this other reality living in their head, like a computer kind of thing, the Matrix. And so he's gonna, he has the chance to understand what is real, what's really behind what he's always thought was real. Uh, their whole life has been in their head as a dream. And now for the first time, he has a chance to, to understand really what's behind it. This morning, we're going to start a two-week series on, on something that's kind of related to this. Uh, the fact that um, we live in this very physical world, this very material world, where we see each other, we can, we can go buy something, we, we grab something, uh, we, our five senses that we have. But the Bible makes it very clear that there's another part of this universe that we don't see. Like the matrix. We're in the matrix, but we, there's a spiritual reality we, do, we don't understand or don't fully grasp. And the Bible clearly talks about um, that there is a, a spiritual world of angels, uh, demons, and so on, and things that aren't physical. Let me read a couple of verses here to kind of get us going. He says, the God of this age, and he's talking here about, about Satan. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We live in a world that is like the matrix, blinded. Blinded to the reality of what, what this is all about. Why we are here, why, why this universe is here, and the world does not really grasp the, the full understanding of that because in some ways uh, they've been blinded by, by Satan. Again, now, I, and maybe you're thinking in the back of your mind if you're not really into the whole church thing, you're thinking, okay, this sounds a bit like uh, uh, kind of fantasy land, uh, Halloween-ish. But this is what the Bible teaches. So the next couple of weeks, we want to look at what this means to us and how if you call yourself a believer in Christ, you are able to stand in this world. You are able to make it through this world with this happening behind us. So again, I don't want to give, uh, make it uh, more... Exo- more um, uh, fabricated than it should be. I don't want to make this larger than it should be, but this is the reality of what the Bible teaches. So let's look at that. Jesus, when he uh, called Paul, said to Paul, and Paul gives us this account in Acts 26. Jesus said to Paul, I am sending you, Paul, to open their eyes so that they may turn from the darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified in me, or by me. When Jesus called Paul, Paul was the most um, antagonistic person against God. He hated Christ. And so he met him on the road to Damascus, and and he became a believer. And Jesus said, I'm going to send you specifically for this purpose, to open the eyes of those who don't know me, who don't believe. To open our eyes. That tells me that people's eyes, naturally, when they're born to this world, aren't open. They're missing something. And if you've grown up in a public school setting or just wherever you've grown up, you probably could could say, I understand that. I understand. I didn't quite understand what this world was all about. People are trying to find the meaning of life, what their their lives are all, why they're here. Uh, Did we come from some alien race someplace in outer space? Why are we here? The Bible clearly says that we are God's creation, but 
Someone has blinded our eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light. It describes our world that we're born into in a sense of, of darkness, spiritual darkness. Last night I woke up around 4 o'clock, I think, two or maybe 3.30 around there. And, I mean, in the city it's never really dark, but uh, maybe you grew up in the country. I grew up in a, uh, on a little farm. We had no, no lights around at all. So in the middle of the night, you wake up, it's pitch black, dark. And you can't find, and you have to find a light switch, you're looking around. And he describes our world in this way as if, spiritually speaking, we can't find our way. We don't know what, what is reality, what is truth. And so he says, I'm going to send you to open up their eyes. Why is he going to do that? So that they can basically change from the power, it says, from the power of Satan to God. And here's why. So that they may receive forgiveness. And this is what it's all about for, for us as human beings to be forgiven. I'm going to tell you right now that you're looking at Pastor Dave on the stage here. Pastor Dave, over and over, needs to be forgiven. I'm no super saint. I fail a lot. And I still do. This is, to me, very personal that God would send his son to die for me. And as we were up in the tank there, I can't help but think about my own life. That he paid for my sins. This is a message you won't hear in our, our universities or high schools. Because they don't believe that. And a place among those who are sanctified. Sanctified simply means to be made holy. Again, I'm not holy on my own. But he makes me that way by faith in him. Colossians 1.13, for he has rescued us. Again, here's that idea of like two, almost like two kingdoms here. Or the matrix, right? The dark matrix and what is reality. The dominion of darkness, he has rescued us from that and brought us into this kingdom of the son he loves. And in Ephesians chapter 6, which we're going to focus on, when we change kingdoms, when we become a believer, when you say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are my Lord and Savior, this is what happens. And you don't see it, but this is what happens. You change kingdoms. And then we have an enemy. He's our enemy before, but he has us. But he becomes more militant against us. He hates us. He can't harm you, but he can definitely influence your life. He can definitely tempt you. He can definitely try to bring you down. And he's very organized. Look at what it says. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, which, in other words, we, our, our wrestle in this world is really not against people. That's what he's saying. But behind that, behind the matrix, he says there are principalities, there are, there are powers, there are rulers against the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I have no idea what that really all means, but that Satan and his whole demonic host are very organized, and they're bent on destroying this world. Again, you might think, this sounds like, Dave, this is like fantasy movie time here. And you may not believe what I'm talk, telling you here. But we in this church hold to God's word that what it teaches is what is truth. And right here, Paul says, there is a host, an organized enemy who wants you destroyed. In a spiritual sense. Again, I'm not going to give a lot of credit to them. I'm not going to say all your life, I mean, don't be afraid to go to sleep. That's not what I'm saying here. But there is a spiritual reality behind the world we live in. 
But here's the great news for us. Here's the incredible news. And look at how he puts this in 1 John 4, 4. You, and he's talking to believers, are of God. And I love how he describes these soldiers of God, little children. He's just, you know, in the other chapter, we looked at these powerful, these powerful enemies that we have, these dark forces. And here, Christians are described as little children, meek, helpless, loving, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you, which means God is in you as a believer, God is in you, is greater than he who's in the world. The one in us is our strength and has given us what we need for victory in this life. And so that was my introduction, um, which is really most of the sermon, by the way. Part one, the armor of God. This week, today, I just want to touch on a couple verses. Next week, we'll start looking at what God has given to us. And you might think, I mean, am I supposed to be like fighting out there? We'll see what God has given to us. It's really more defensive than anything. Verse 10. First of all, it says, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Don't try to fight this, this battle that you have, this Christian life that, that you're trying to live. Don't try to fight it in your own strength. Be strong in God. God has given you everything you need to live a godly life. He really has. He has placed himself in you by what we call the Holy Spirit. He has given you his word. He has given us faith. He has given all these things that we, we're going to look at next week. But be strong in the Lord. And he says in verse 11, How are we strong in the Lord? Put on the full armor of God. And again, we're going to look at that God has given us really only one little weapon to fight back with. And that's called it's a little sword called the word of God. The rest of it's defensive. The rest of it's protection. Because if there's really this, this uh, spiritual force behind us, coming at us, we need protection. And God has given us that adequate protection that we can stand, it says, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil, again, you might be thinking, okay, Halloween, here we go. But, but the devil, Satan, is a, is a very real being. Very organized. This is how he worked against Jesus. Back in Matthew chapter 4, when he goes to tempt Jesus, Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days, and he tempts him. And every time he tempted him, he's, he would question God and God's promises. He said, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, he's, kind of, he's trying to make Jesus uh, maybe feel like, well, maybe I'm not the Son of God. Maybe, maybe I have some doubts about this. Because why would I be in the wilderness? Why would I have to go through this, this cross thing if I was the Son of God? And so he works to maybe put doubt in our minds. He wants us to doubt God. He wants us to, and I know for those who are baptized today, um, I know when I, I remember being baptized, and I, I've heard over and over, when you become baptized, it's either before or right after, it seems like you have the most doubt or temptation coming at you. It's like, it's like things happen in your life that, why would God let you go through that kind of stuff? Because he wants us to doubt God's promises. And then to us, as he did to Adam and Eve, he might say, did God really say? Did God really say that to you? What you read in the Bible, I mean, I mean, God says that in the Bible, but can you really trust God on that? 
For 2 Corinthians 10, though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not, are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, and this is for us, this is again, and gives us an idea of what we're going to be dealing with next week. These uh, weapons are, uh, have divine power to demolish strongholds. What's a stronghold? Stronghold is the idea, it's the idea of a fortress, something that's impenetrable, it seems impenetrable. And here it's, it's referring to um, ideas that come through our world, our world system that says you can't believe what God says. Basically it's what it's saying. It's a stronghold. It stands up against what God says. And so we see it all around us. We see it in what, what our universities and high schools now teach about, about creation, about marriage, and all these things. Things are strongholds that stand against God. And so, so when we deal with with things that come against us, they're like arguments and, and pretensions. So arguments are like the opinions and reasonings and philosophies that we deal with. The pretensions are lofty things that exalt themselves against God. Our world is filled with these kind of ideas that come against your faith and say, you do not need to believe in that thing anymore, that book, because we've disproved it all. And so we... It says we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And maybe you've had those experiences where you know, you know, you've been with maybe someone trying to, maybe trying to witness to them and trying to tell them about the Lord. And they say, no, I'm good. I believe in this and I believe in this. And I, I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the truth. Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. He appears as something good, doesn't he? It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. So those who come on his behalf. And their end will be what their actions deserve. Even idols, even, even religions of, around the world. And though people are sincere in what they do, this is how the Bible describes the idols of the world at, at the time when Paul is writing. They are the, sac the sacrifices to idols are really offered to demons. They don't see that. It's the matrix, right? They don't see it. They don't see the reality behind what they're doing. And this is not a very popular thing to say nowadays, is it? The people need the Lord. The things that are out there that, that take away from God, that draw people away from God, the Spirit clearly says that in the later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things, again, taught by demons. So it's out there. It's real false religions, false philosophies. Anything that doesn't exalt Jesus Christ as the Son of God would be under that. Anything. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. And I'm sorry to say that because I know it's not popular. And it's hard to say that in our schools today or to our friends because nowadays everything goes. But that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense because everything is in, in conflict with each other. They're not all truth. The world itself is, is Satan's kind of realm of where he influences people. And so John writes, don't love the world or the things of the world. And we're not talking about people here. We're not talking about the enjoyment of our, our nature and creation. We're talking about a world system of belief and thought. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. And then verse 12, back to Ephesians 6. 
Why is this so important? Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We read this before. But against all these organized rulers in the heavenly realms. Again, we don't see them. I'm not over-sensationalizing here. I don't want to be, you know, create something that's not there. But the Bible says that in, in Revelation that when, the, when Satan fell, he took a third of the angels with him. We have no idea how many angels there were at the beginning. Or, that, I mean, that there still are, I guess. Uh, it describes in, in Revelation as thousands upon thousands times 10,000 times 10,000. It's just a Greek way of saying uncountable, a large number. And a third of them fell with Satan. A third of them are under his control. A third of them want to keep people blinded with the system that they have in this world. A third of them don't want you to succeed as a Christian. They can't harm you. They can't steal your salvation. But they can definitely try to harm you. They can make life difficult. They can bring temptation to your life through the world system, can't they? And you know your weaknesses. You know where it's tough for you. And so here, the last verse I want to speak on today, or the last part of this passage. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, and it will come, and in fact, it probably comes every day because you're surrounded by it all the time, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. This afternoon, I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. How many of you are cheering for Kansas City? How many of you care? <laughs> care. I love football because in football, you, you, as a football player, you, you can't stand like this on the line and say, okay, come get me. You know, you're going to get knocked over really fast, aren't you? For those who have played football, you need to get down low. In any kind of sport, you're down low like this, right? You're in a standing position. You're firm. You're, fa- you're, 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 you're in, a, in, a, in a position that you can't be knocked over easily. And this is the idea here for the, for the Roman soldier. I mean, they had to be ready for battle. They couldn't just stand there, hey, here they come. Woo. <laughs> they need to be ready. They, were, they had their equipment on. They had their armor on. And so if we're going to stand as believers and be victorious, and that's the goal. The goal is to stand. The goal is not to go on the offensive and attack. We're not supposed to attack Satan. And by the way, I know you often hear people say, well, we can, we can just bind Satan. You can't bind Satan. Sorry. You can't. We're not given spiritual handcuffs. We're given a sword. And we can, we're given the, the armor to, to protect us. If we could bind Satan, we would just keep him bound, wouldn't we? Why is he getting all the time? He's always free. So we have to be careful what we assume. But God has given us these things which are his strength. This is his armor. And we are strong in that armor. When we live this way, we will be victorious. We don't have to be scared. I'm not scared of Satan when I'm trusting in God. When I'm trusting in myself, I'm in trouble. If I think I can be strong myself, I'm in trouble. After you have done everything, and here's the goal, after you've done all that's come upon you, the goal is simply to stand, to be firm. Let me give you one verse to take home with you. I know we're going to be running a little bit over time, but I think we're okay. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. That does not sound good, does it? I, I went on a, a young, when I was a young boy, we did a camp out one, one summer for, for a boys club. 
And my friend and I decided we were gonna play some tricks on our other, our other buddies in the other tents. So we decided we're gonna go outside and sneak around like we were Bigfoot and make kind of noises and put some, some big footprints down on the ground. But it didn't work, they didn't believe it. But, but the idea, you, can you imagine if you were in a tent and a lion was walking around, how you would freak out? Be incredibly scary, right? And here it's described Satan as this roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And, he, and he's talking about Christians here. He wants to destroy your life. Again, he can't steal your soul. But boy, can he wreck your life if, he, if, if we allow him, right? Here's what we're supposed to do. And this is maybe what you this week can focus on. Resist him. That's all. Resist him. He's going to throw things at you. He's going to try and tempt you. He's going to put doubt in your mind, and that's primarily where, primarily where he works is the mind, right? And lying to you, he's a deceiver. He makes you think you have to do it this way, you can't trust God. He primarily works in the mind. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. Resist him. If you remember two words from this sermon this morning, and you may not remember anything else besides that, which is fine. Resist him. Don't let temptation overtake you. You don't have to give in. You don't. We're going to celebrate. And I'm going to ask, maybe ask the team. We're going to skip this next song, I think, for the sake of time. And I'm going to invite uh, the team to come forward for communion. Got a lot of slides here. Okay. So we're going to move into communion at this time. So.